0: This is the second week in our series, My Turn to Serve, Just Like Jesus. We're going to be talking today a little bit about um, the purpose that we have in life and more than just the purpose, why we're do, we do what we do, why it is that we live like Jesus, why it's my turn to serve. This last week, I had a, um, an interesting experience, one that that I don't like. Um, I, most of us don't enjoy going to the doctor. Um, some of us enjoy it even less than others. Uh, but for me, I just don't enjoy it. I'd rather not go. I'd rather not know. I'm one of those people who would just rather not know. If there's something that's wrong with me, I would rather die in my sleep than find out I was gonna die in my sleep later. I'd just rather it be a surprise. Right? I just don't wanna know. And a year and a half ago, you guys know I was diagnosed with um, thyroid cancer. And the doctor who diagnosed me said, good news, bad news. Uh, You have cancer, but if you have to have cancer, this is a good kind of cancer to get. So you have a bad case of a good cancer. And, um, you know, that again, doctors, right? Uh, And so there we went off on a a year and a half sort of a uh, a process of treating the thyroid cancer and waiting and watching and medicine and equations and trial and error. And every six months, I would have to go in. It's happened now Twice and find out um, what my blood work showed that they sent to Mayo Clinic and whether it gives uh, indication that the cancer is going the right direction, whether it's going the wrong direction. And so six months ago, I was told I had to wait six months. Now, six months ago, the blood work was, was okay. It wasn't good. It wasn't bad. It was just okay. The doctor said, we're not going to treat it. We think it's still going to keep going the right direction. So we're going to sit and we're going to watch and we're going to wait for six months. Now, for me, sitting watching and waiting is just uh, it's the opposite of of me my personality and i think it's harder on my wife to sit and watch and wait because i don't wait quietly uh, at all i wait out loud oftentimes and so i asked the doctor six months ago what can i do uh, to make this better and she said nothing I said, well, can I get in better shape? Can I eat better? You know, can I? And she goes, nope, you can sit and you can wait. Goes, it's just a matter of what happens with your blood work. We took your thyroid out. We've given you radiation through your radioactive iodine. It's still working in your body. Sit, watch, and wait. So I tried to put it out of my mind. I just tried not to think about it for six months. And then the appointment was coming up and happened last week. And as the appointment got closer and closer, I couldn't just put it off anymore. I had to think about it. And, um, you know, found myself sitting in a waiting room full of people um, who had problems that were similar, if not the same, waiting to hear your fate uh, from a doctor who called my case a chemistry problem, which I thought was interesting when I I talked to her. And I like her a lot. She's super smart. You want super smart doctors when it gets to that level, right? You want the scientist, the hypervigilant scientist, but I also want a little therapist in my doctor and there's no therapist in her and she said you're an interesting chemistry equation or chemistry problem And I said I'm not a chemistry problem I said I'm a person can you imagine if I told you guys you're interesting theological problems to me today let me see if I can fix your problems you wouldn't like that one bit but I'm sitting there in the waiting room and I got okay news I got better news than last time I just didn't I didn't get like your cured news with news but I got things are still better heading in the right direction news we wait another six months after a couple tests good news uh, just not the best news but I'm sitting in the waiting room, looking around, and you think about things. You think about life. You think about what the next six months is going to look like. You think about what if the numbers aren't good? What if, you know, I'm going to end up having to go through more treatment? What if the treatment doesn't? All the what ifs. You have conversations with the Lord. My conversation kind of went like this with God. I really don't want to have this. I'm not sure why I have this. I really want this to go away. Um, if it doesn't go away, I'm not going to be real happy with you, God, but I'm not going to walk away. Where else would I go? I mean, you know, you just have honest conversations with the Lord. We'll get through it. I get it. But, I mean, you don't, you just want it to, to go away. And what I remember thinking about is I'm sitting there in the waiting room with my wife waiting to see the doctor who walks in with a clipboard and tells you what the information is on the sheet. Well, I looked around at the other people who were in the room, and I thought, I wonder if they have the same hope the same peace that I have now it wasn't this like I'm holier than them kind of a moment it wasn't this like oh I'm such a great Christian because I'm really not I mean I'm struggling just like you guys would struggle it's like I don't want it take it away God if you do I mean I'm not gonna be super happy but I mean where else would we go but at the end of the day I know that I have a purpose in life and I know that there's a reason why I'm here and I know that as I live and do my best to please the Lord that I make a difference in some way And so ultimately that would lead us to the reality that if we do die, that we can die without regret. And I looked around me and I wondered if the people in that room, if they had that same hope. And what I was overwhelmed with was the reality that there are so many of us who allow the distractions in life, the preoccupations in life, the things that crowd our minds for our thoughts, our hearts for our attitudes, our hands for our actions that distract us, that anesthetize us, that cause us, trick us, manipulate us into wasting seconds. And seconds become minutes, and minutes become hours, and hours become days, and days become weeks, weeks, months, months, years, years, decades. And pretty soon we live a lifetime and we look back. And if we're not careful, We look back filled with regret realizing we haven't received or achieved or lived our purpose and the one thing you and i can't get back is time and what i love so much about the lord and about scripture is that god answers this problem this question that jesus talks about meaning and significance that the apostle paul reminds us what Jesus said about meaning and significance and hope and living life without regret and leaving behind the world a little better place than maybe when we came. The Bible talks about the danger of wasting seconds, minutes, hours, days, weeks, months, and even years. And we're going to talk about that today. My turn to serve. I'm going to talk to you about why. And then we're going to look a little bit about how how we're going to go back to what we talked about last week for a few minutes and we're going to discuss salvation we're going to discuss where we came from because you and i never can forget or should forget where we came from to understand and appreciate where we came from only allows us to appreciate where we're going and i hope and i trust that when we leave this place we'll leave with a little more resolve now i can talk with as much emotion. I can tell stories as best I possibly can. I can try to use logic, I can try to be smart, but none of that really is gonna work, we know that. I'm not logical, entertaining, or smart enough to move you from where you are to perhaps where God wants you to be. But what I can do is to continue to throw out the truths that are in Scripture in a way where you, in your own mind and your heart, when you sense that maybe that that you're feeling, that you're sensing, that that you're thinking, maybe that light at the end of the tunnel is truth, And you're willing to reach out and grab a hold of it and not let go. And then you look to your left and your right and you see others in the same room who are doing the same thing, me, you, together, walking, becoming the people who God wants us to be, becoming the church who God wants us to be, living a life without regret, achieving and finding our purpose, and leaving the world a better place in Jesus' name. And the only way we can do that is through Christ. So let's talk about that today. And we're gonna look at a passage that is familiar to some of you. It is a passage that I began to address in a message several years ago called Level Ground. In the neighborhood that we're trying to build or to get to know, as we talked about last week, this would be an important intersection in your neighborhood. This is like State Street and First, if you live in Ankeny. Uh, This is one of those places that you're gonna pass all the time. It's one of these things that should be part of our worldview one of these passages that's gonna motivate us and I'm gonna read about well it's several verses of Scripture about 10 and when I read them to you I'm gonna read them to you because I want you to know they come from the Bible and then we're gonna go back and we're gonna break them down so when I read them to you your temptation is going to be to let your mind just sort of uh, wander to just kind of lose interest or lose track because it's a lot of verses what I want you to do is just stay with me you can read them on the screen I'm gonna read them out loud And I want you just to stay with me and we're gonna work through these things and we're not gonna take too long to do it, but we're gonna take a little bit more careful look. As for you, this is the Apostle Paul talking about you and I in the condition that we were born, all of us. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It's by grace you've been saved. Now stay with me. There's just one more slide. Ready? Here we go. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus for it is by grace we've been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It's the gift of God, not by work so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. <sighs> That's a lot. Now we're going to break it down. I promise it'll be much more interesting to you as we work back through this. There's six words that the Apostle Paul uses to describe our lives before Jesus, okay? Okay. Then there's six words that the Apostle Paul uses to describe our lives after we meet Jesus. So the assumption the Apostle Paul makes is that many of us have met Jesus. Now, that's the assumption that I make, although I know not all of us in here have made the decision to follow Christ. Now, the first six words describe the condition every single one of us was born into, the human condition Life is a sexually transmitted terminal disease. The moment we're born, we begin to die. How about that for getting your attention? I would have written it a little differently. Paul wrote it a little more eloquently. Let's work through this. As for you, and that's you and me, we were dead in our transgressions and sins. We talked about this last week when I talked about the idea of adoption. How dead? Totally dead. Unable to respond dead in our transgressions and sins, in which we used to live when we followed the ways of the world. Now, there's two words here that the Apostle Paul uses to describe our condition. He uses the word sin, dead in sin, and dead in our trespasses, not trespassing, that's different. That's like going somewhere you're not supposed to go, but usually you go on purpose. Um, The word sin means missing the mark, that there's a standard, that God has a standard. And that you and I have missed that standard. Now, you can breathe easy, I guess, because the reality or the fact is that every single one of us have missed that standard. We were born sinful, having missed the mark. And you say, well, that's not fair. Well, it's true, and it's a consequence of Adam and Eve's sin but you and I understand, I mean, I don't have to follow you around to read your emails, to bug your phone, to interview your husband or wife or your neighbors or coworkers to know you sin too. But we're born sinful, having missed the mark of God's standard. All have sinned and fallen short. Even a moral person misses the mark because it's a condition and it's bleak and it's a death sentence, it's terminal trespasses is the second word or transgressions and I think that's a very interesting uh, word and it means to slip and to fall it means to wander off the path if you're trying to go somewhere you're walking out in the woods you have a pretty good idea of where you want to go the trails not well marked and so as you're walking through life you're doing your best to navigate but you find yourself having wandered off the path in danger not even knowing how you got there no ability to find your way back Lost, stuck, hopeless, waiting to be rescued. Now, it's bleak, but it's true. And it's the condition we were all born into. Now, the Apostle Paul continues here, and we're going to look at this on the next slide, and he talks about how the deck is stacked against us. Now, do you guys know when I pray for you at the end of the time that we're together? Oftentimes, I try to do a couple of things when I pray for you. And I mentioned this to you before, but I asked the Lord a few years ago. It's like, hey, if you could talk to my friends, uh, Jesus, on Sunday morning, what would you tell them? What would you tell Cap City Church every Sunday morning? And this is what I thought that Jesus wanted me to tell you guys. This is what he would say. I always tell you, I love you, right? And I do. I do. But what I say to you is that the important thing is that Jesus loves you even more than I do. He loves you perfectly. I love you as perfectly as an imperfect person can love. I tell you that I believe in you, and I really do. But I tell you that what's important is that Jesus believes in you a whole lot more, right, than than I do. And then I say, maybe you don't pay much attention to this, but I try to say it almost every time we close our times together. I know we live in a world that sets itself up against following Christ. Remember that when I pray for you? But that's okay because the God who we serve is stronger than anything in this world. And that's what I'm talking about. The Apostle Paul says, look, we're all born into our our sin and our trespasses. And and he said that we used to live if we've been saved, following the ways of the world. And the world is kind of a weird word here. In Greek, it's a different sort of a meaning than when we say world, we think of planet. This is like the system, a world order or system of existing. And it's the system apart from God. The system that exists according to the ruler of the kingdom of the air, who is Satan, and that's just the ruler of the kingdom of the air as a way of saying that it's the realm, right, the world, the system that's apart from God has a ruler, and that ruler is Satan. And then it says this, this spirit who's now at work in those who are disobedient, the sons of disobedience, is an Old Testament term mentioned over and over again, it means people who can't be anything but disobedient because they're dead in their trespasses and sins, that there's no way to fix our own condition. He says they're destined to what we deserve, wrath, an eternity in hell. Now, that is as bleak as it gets. And it's not a popular thing to preach because nobody wants to hear it. But I love you. And because I love you, I tell you the truth. And I don't just tell you the truth in a way that condemns you. I tell you the truth in a way that sets us free. Now, here's my paraphrase. Satan devises systems in this world to keep the spiritually dead terminally occupied. And many of us have found ourselves trapped in the system of the world designed by Satan, terminally occupied, answering to him, and destined to hell. Now here's the freaky thing. Sometimes the systems are religious. So sometimes the religion that you've had such a bad experience with, and for some have turned their back and said, you know, if this is Jesus, I don't want anything to do with it. It really wasn't Jesus in the first place. It was just some man-made, Satan-devised scheme that did the very opposite of what Jesus came into the world to accomplish. One of the hardest things to understand is how some people say they speak for God, but yet in reality have messages of judgment and hate and separation. Instead of becoming more soft-hearted, more approachable, we become the opposite, guarded and defensive. And Satan has schemes and we fall victim to the schemes because he's smart now that's the bad news that's like the descending six words where the Apostle Paul says remember where you came from remember the deck is stacked against us remember that you and I we have an upward an upward battle remember that you and I we need something beyond ourselves remember you and I we can't do it and everybody reading this and listening to this was like yeah we remember Wasn't it good that Jesus came? Because if Jesus hadn't come, we would be stuck. And then he turns the page. Here we go. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It's by grace we've been saved, and God raised us up with Christ and seated seated us with him in the heavenly realms. But because of God's great love, Remember when we talked last week about Mephibosheth, Mephibosheth, that's how you say it. Uh, I've been asked several times this week how to spell Mephibosheth, and it hasn't changed, but it's a hard word to spell. It's a hard word to say, especially three times in a row. But if you were here last week, you remember the story of King David adopting Mephibosheth. And when he adopted Mephibosheth, remember he found somebody that was related to Saul because of his best friend Jonathan He wanted to do something good for Jonathan because Jonathan was his best friend and so he found Mephibosheth who was somebody who could offer nothing to David. Somebody who called himself a dead dog unworthy of attention. Somebody who was living on the backside of nowhere with a name that even meant nothingness or worthlessness. And David adopted him and said, because of your father Jonathan and my love for you, I'm gonna give you back everything your grandfather had and you're gonna sit at my table and you're gonna have a place in my home and... And Mephibosheth threw himself down and said, I'm not even worth you killing. Why would you be so kind to me? And there's two words that Paul uses to modify or to further explain. He says, Because God, who is great in love, is also rich in mercy. Now, uh, many of us have been parents in here. If you aren't a parent, maybe you've had uh, a parent. Maybe you understand parenting in some way. But a good parent, when they have kids, doesn't always choose to punish their kids when they did something wrong. Sometimes you let them off the hook. But if you were like me, and you may not be, when I had a kid, both my kids, when they were young, and I caught them dead to rights, I'd let them know they were caught. My boys were the best at wriggling out of trouble of explaining things away of trying to you know not actually getting caught doing what they were doing of avoiding consequences and it usually was me that was the softy. Their mom she was you know joy had them I, I, I was the one believing you know their spin my youngest I was sure was gonna be a lawyer either that or in prison one of the two I wasn't yeah you know, <laughs> we would either he'd rule the world or we'd visit him on Tuesdays he could argue and so I would sit him down and I'd be like Nathan I caught you I have the text message screenshots. I have the video from our home surveillance. I have the, I would let him know, and I would build a case. I would be like, I got you, I got you, I got you, I got you, until he got gotten, he knew he was gotten. He couldn't do anything except just say, okay, I'm got, I'm, I'm, you got me, Dad, I'm guilty. In a sense, in a very real sense, that's what the Apostle Paul has done for us. He's building the case where you and I know we can't wriggle our way out, that there's a debt we can't pay, born into a condition we can't can't alleviate, a problem we can't solve. And we're sitting there, and the accusation is coming from within. It's coming from the world around us. And we finally say, you got me. Guilty. And God, because he's loving chooses not to give us what we deserve. Have you ever done that for your kid? You let them know, I got you, right? You deserve to be grounded. You deserve to lose your cell phone. You deserve for me to take your car away. You deserve, but you know what? I'm gonna let you off the hook this time. Remember what that feels like on some small level as a, as a person forgiven. Even as a parent doing the forgiving. But this... Is cosmic, life changing, nothing bigger. And he follows it up with another word grace. He chooses not to give us the punishment that we deserve, which is twofold wrath which means life here, subject to the system of the world, on the hamster wheel, spinning and spinning, wasting seconds, minutes, hours, weeks, months, years, decades, a lifetime, and ending up when we breathe our last and leave this biological life behind in separation and in eternity in hell. He chooses to give us something that we don't deserve. What in the world would that be? He chooses to give us a new life, He raises us up with Christ and he seats us in the heavenly realms in order that he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. We can experience God's kindness because of his love, rich in mercy, full of grace, And so we have to choose. We come to a diverging path. It's the difference between simple belief and actually saving faith. And the Apostle Paul, he doesn't leave us here. He continues to explain this. And as he continues to explain this, we have to make a choice. Let's move on to the next slide. For it's by grace we've been saved, this is a reminder, through faith. And it's not from ourselves, because if it was from me, I would boast about it, right? I would brag about it and mess it up. It's a gift of God, a free gift. Not by works, so that nobody can, can brag about it. It's God, we're God's handiwork. Created in Christ Jesus to do what? Good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So verse 8, 9, and 10 provide the secret for life. They provide this this hope and meaning that we talk about. Why am I here? How do I make sure that the seconds don't slip by, that I don't get caught up in the system of the world, but I'm saved by by grace through faith? I'm God's handiwork. I've been created on purpose. He calls me his masterpiece in progress. And, And then he says we're created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for me to do. Faith is the God-given conviction that the promise of resurrected life, the promise of forgiveness of sin, and the promise of eternal heaven through Jesus Christ is true. And it's the personal conviction that moves our will to ask God for this gift. But here's the reality, friends. This is it. Faith... Is invisible you can't see it but you can see it in action so I want to ask you right now as we are sort of transitioning toward our conclusion to evaluate your life with me right now and answer as honestly as you possibly can what does my life look like how caught up in the system and schemes of Satan have I been am I on the hamster wheel running as fast as I can chasing what Solomon said in Ecclesiastes was the wind every goal I achieve disappears in front of me like grasping sand that slips away only for me to reach to the next thing? Am I living trying to fill a void that I can't fill? Looking for what's next, but knowing I'll never find peace. So many people, they fall into that trap. And the Apostle Paul says, the anecdote, Jesus says in Matthew 25, the anecdote, is to embrace the fact that faith is validated when it's visible and demonstrated and that as we order our lives up according to this truth, to this gospel and begin to live, to do the works that God's created us to do, not only do we know for sure we're saved, but all of the rest of the stuff that I'm talking about falls along in order. When you begin to view yourself this way, That my salvation is not just me knowing some facts. It's not just me saying that I believe. It's me choosing to let Jesus live life through me. My job and career becomes a little different because I do it differently. My marriage becomes a little different because I do it differently. My parenting becomes a little different because I'm ministering to my kids the way that Jesus would if he were raising them. My friendships, perhaps they... a little different I spend my time a little differently that's a hard one isn't it my money all of a sudden we don't even view my money as my money it's God's money and I'm simply a steward of it so perhaps I invested a little differently my mind and my thoughts which sometimes can be so self-absorbed or cyclical or obsessive or filled with anxiety or desire or whatever it would be, all of a sudden my thoughts, I'm thinking a little differently because the Holy Spirit of God is, is changing me, as Romans 12 says, transforming me into a new person by changing how I think and changing what I do. And so now... You have to look inside do you have that voice of truth pulling you towards something a little different a little more if it's a little scary it's probably the right voice and sometimes it feels like that light at the end of the tunnel And you reach out for it and you know how far you have to go trust me I do too but then you look to your left and your right and you see a whole church full of people who are gonna try to do the exact same thing God help me because I can't help myself let us live for you and make a difference in this life let me get to the end without regret and could people please see Jesus in me even though I'm full of holes and weakness a whole room full of people and we grab each other by the hand and we live each day and each week and each month and each year and each decade together, loving and serving the world around us, earning the right to share our faith, showing people the difference the gospel makes by God's grace and his strength, not ours. So you may ask the question, how in the world do I figure out what that looks like in my life? And if you were asked that question, I would tell you I'm glad you asked because there's two things that I want to tell you. The first is, Show up on Wednesday night because we are in the middle of a shape seminar, of a class, sessions, um, whatever word sounds the best to you. The least like something you wouldn't be interested in and the most like something you would be interested in because it's actually a lot of fun. The first week we talked about spiritual gifts. I had a conversation with a friend just this morning about the spiritual gifts. He took a spiritual gifts assessment and the ones that he had and how his girlfriend had some different ones and how, wasn't it cool that they had, had corresponding sort of complementary spiritual gifts and how could they use those? And, and then last week we talked about heart, the things we're passionate about. Now, if you missed those two weeks, it's not that big a deal because we have them available to you to watch and to, to follow along with. But this coming Wednesday, right here in this room at 630, we're going to be talking about two things, A and P. A, your abilities, what God's made you good at and how you can use that for the Lord. And also, we're going to get into something so much fun, your personality. And um, you don't get to take your personality quiz or test for anybody else. You don't get to point fingers at anyone and say, ah, your personality is a little quirky or a little weird. All of our personalities are a little quirky and a little weird, but we're gonna find that we're God's masterpiece, his poema. That's the Greek word, masterpiece in progress. And even our quirky weirdness that God put in our personalities, he did it for a purpose, on purpose, so that we could find what we're supposed to be doing in our lives. And that's gonna be this Wednesday. And then we'll have two more sessions where we're gonna be talking about our personality and our experiences and pulling it all together. And then come back the next three weeks on Sunday morning. Because for the next three weeks, I'm going to talk to you about some attitudes and some observations about what this life of being, serving, my turn to serve like Jesus, what that looks like. Just come back. Open your heart, open your minds, and let's live a different way. Father, thank you for my friends. Thank